0: Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina. Your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home. Home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is Thursday, January 13th, 2022. This is the first Smart Tech Check Podcast of 2022, and I want to wish everyone a Happy New Year. Today's podcast is completely focused on CES now that we've got that one under our belt. Lots to talk about that, so it's going to be a fun discussion. Uh, joining me for today's podcast is John Quain, who writes for the New York Times, Smart Cities, and Tom's Guide. Stuart Walpin, who describes descri- for twice US uh, News and Investopedia. And we may get a pop in from Rob Pegorero. We don't know where he is, but he was supposed to call in. Uh, Rob, <laughs> <writes> for, <laughs> uh, that's the kind of podcast we have. You can just call him when you want. Uh, he writes frequently for Tech Policy and Wirecutter, PC Magazine, and USA Today. But uh, to the two stalwart journal- journalists that I know so well, uh, welcome to the podcast today, guys. How are you?
2: Hey, good to see you. Happy New Happy Year. New Year.
1: Um, now, Rob, Rob and I did go to, go to CES. You know, we were the ones who put on hazmat suits and we 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 braved that whole thing. You two guys didn't go, uh, and we're we're going to get into some topics and uh, to kind of walk through some of the things that were interesting there. But before we get into the topics, um, for each of you, and I'll start with you, John. Why didn't you? I mean, you could have gone. You know, I mean, putting expense aside, it's you know, CES is generally not an inexpensive trip to go on, especially if you've got to foot your own bill. What was the decision criteria in your mind of why? uh, And did you miss anything? Did you think you lost anything by not attending?
2: I mean, the the show was kind of imploding for me. I was booked to go. I had a place and I had everything booked. I was ready to go. And I've only missed one in a number of years. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to tell you how many years it has been, but I get one of those ribbons on my badge every year now um so i i was booked to go but you know what the people that i wanted to meet were one by one dropping like flies and that yeah. was the problem so um i had two last people gil pratt who's the ceo of uh toyota's technology research division and uh, i um he turned out not to be going when he found when i found out i wasn't going so that and then the last one was uh ben lamb who's the ceo of colossal the uh, uh, genetic, uh, they're, they're the Jurassic park company is like, people think of them anyway. He was, I was his last meeting standing and he was my last meeting. And it basically, you know, we're like, ah, no. So it, it just, it, it couldn't be the networking event that we wanted it to be. And because of that, that was really, I mean, I pulled the plug at the last minute. I was disappointed. Right. Stuart, same question for you.
3: Well, like John, I, this is the first show I, the first live CES that I've missed since 1984. So I had a gigantic case of FOMO. And like John, I, I, had a, I was completely booked, had a hotel, had the air, everything was booked. But yeah. I would say probably November, I was be once the news of Omicron started to hit, I started to get second thoughts about it because while CES, a CTA was obviously, making all manner of precautions for the show floor, you can't account for what's going on in the hotels. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Las Vegas and Nevada doesn't have the kind of strict um, vaccination rules that New York has. And so that, that gave me some pause. The economics of it certainly gave me some pause because in in, in which it was combined with some certain physical issues that I'm having as John is completely aware of since we travel around quite a bit, I have back issues. And for me to be able to economically cover the show, I have to do a lot of work. And because I'm having some back problems, I was not going to get be able to get around as much as I like. So I managed to save the expense, cover what I could from home and had suffered a gigantic case of FOMO.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it was an interesting show from the get go, because like you said, John, I've never experienced anything where I'm literally on the, um, at San Jose airport um, uh, at the Southwest uh, gate, waiting to get on my flight at eight o'clock in the morning. And in real time, people are, are bowing out, right. you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I've never you know experienced that before uh, in that, you know, you always have cancellations at meetings, but generally not, you know, hours before the event is going to begin. And, you know, I, I was really concerned about, once I got to the airport, once they got to Las Vegas airport, was it, um, you know, was it going to be crowded? Was it going to, you know, what kind of setup did they have? They actually did have it well, you know, fairly well set up and they gave everyone um, COVID test kits uh, that that you could take back. Now, interesting enough, you know, is that, you know, it it was very much a self-policing type of thing because they didn't have, they had a vaccine, um, uh, uh, commitment that you had to have be vaccinated and show a vaccine pass to get into the actual convention center and into the areas of the Venetian, uh, where a lot of the uh, meetings take place. But you did not have to prove that you didn't have COVID, which seems to me kind of, a, you know, you, you you didn't have to show, well, hey, I, I took the test and here's the results of the test. So it's very much, you know, you're on the honor system in terms of, well, you know, hey, do, do, are do you feel comfortable enough that, you took the test and, you know, you're okay to go on the show floor. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, did, were vaccinated but did, know, you know, did take that test, know that they have COVID and they still – they're not going to turn around and get back on a plane. I mean, they are pro- they were probably still go to the show. So there was kind of a flaw in that system to a degree. But they did everything they possibly could, you know, in terms of the casinos were all, you know, protected with plexiglass and all the obvious stuff that you um, – that you, uh, that you've read about. And, um, what, what I will say what one story that was bizarre to me. And I, I posted something on, um, LinkedIn about this. I think I got three or 4,000 views in in like 20 minutes is that LG, you know, decided to cancel a couple days before and they have an enormous booth. I mean, they have a 10,000 square foot area like they typically do. And when they bailed out, they couldn't remove any of the material that they've already pre-installed. So they literally left a plywood, a large plywood floor with QR codes where the product demos would be all over the place. And you know, of course, that was subject to a bit of derision by just anybody who showed up the show uh, uh, at the show and decided to walk on the plywood floor and see that. But that was kind of bizarre. Uh, in yeah, my, I, I, saw, uh, I saw
3: pictures of the LG booth. It looked like a post-apocalyptic, you yes. know, set up. It, it looked right. just so completely unfinished, but with jarring QR codes plastered everywhere.
1: Yeah, so that was bizarre. So I guess the question for you is that even though the show, you know you guys didn't go, do you feel that you missed anything? I mean, everything was streamed and online. And I mean, did you feel that there was one bit of information that you overlooked because you didn't attend? John, there wasn't one bit of
3: misinformation that I missed. It was missing people because the thing about it, like we had talked about previously about remote working and going to the office is that you miss meeting people, and when you miss meeting people, you miss that serendipitous interaction of information it wasn't anything that i might have been looking for and there was one thing i was going to be i would have looked for um but it, it was just not seeing everybody and 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 exchanging greetings and how's going on with you or what's new with your company that they may not have publicized the one thing that i wanted to look for and i didn't hear anything about was the matter um smart home um um standard that is being yeah. pushed that we talked about yeah. about a month or so ago and i would have been actively looking for matter compatible products but because i wasn't there i couldn't look and i the the virtual setup for visiting boots it was it was not as good as i was hoped it was going to be and i sort of gave up after about a half a dozen booths. so i i don't know whether or not anybody was showing matter compatible smart home gear
1: yeah, I, I can answer that. The, the matter, matter, the Matter logo was everywhere. I mean, you could oh, it not. Was. It was now. The you really can't show Matter support. You can only put a logo there, and you make the claim that whether I have Alexa or whether I have um, Siri or whether I'm using Google Assistant, this device, you know, uh, Matter allows it to be interoperable across all three. A lot of the, you know the the the. the uh, so that was that was good to see that at least. Matter got a very strong vote of endorsement by. I, I couldn't find a single uh, vendor that did not have Matter support, but they were not showing Matter devices that are shipping in the marketplace yet. That's oh, that, still many. Oh, many that's many
3: interesting. Months. Okay, that's good to yeah, know. That,
1: that's still many months away, and yeah, I think yeah, no. you know the jury is still out on whether um, you know there's going to be. You know, and, hey, listen, we've been to CES long enough that things that they that say they're going to happen at CES sometimes don't happen after there's uh, after CES is over.
3: So, no, John I yeah, I can't
2: I can't believe that. I can't believe that. I'm
3: shocked i shocked
2: that there's gambling
3: going on here.
2: Yeah, right here your winnings. Um so yes, no the one thing for me um it's the people obviously in the events. I spend a lot of time, you know, uh dinners and lunches and breakfasts and stuff like that with people that actually is much more productive often. But also for me the um The mobility mobility side, so all the autonomous vehicles, the electrification, there was a huge, which we'll talk about, but push of EVs and uh, e-mobility. This show, unlike before, and that's all stuff that I actually ride in those vehicles. I actually go on test drives. I go to the racetrack, I, um, test some of these vehicles. In fact, there's a picture of me a couple of years ago on one of these two-wheeled things being shuttled around because I was avoiding the cab line, so I was in some you know electric motorcycle um so that stuff obviously I can't do online you know I can't and so I can't actually see and experience whether these things work or not so that that was probably the most frustrating thing for me
1: yeah well let's talk a little bit about that because you know e-bikes and e-scooters and and that entire mobility category um was very well represented out here. The, the one topic I want to get, especially your John, you're exactly the guy who can answer this question for me. I did attend the Sony press conference where um, the, the kid playing uh, Spider-Man. Tom Holland. Same, Tom Holland. He made a, a, a guest appearance. I didn't know who he was until someone said, oh, by the way, he's the kid who's the new uh, Superman." Uh, not Superman Spider-Man, Spider-Man movie. But the CEO of Sony made, of course, big news in that he announced that Sony has created a new division called the Sony Mobility Division. You know, they have previous shown prototypes of, Sony, right. of, uh, of EV vehicles. And for the life of me, because I covered the, the, the um, that category at a very high level, not in the depth that you uh, look at that category, uh, John, answered me this question. Why does Sony want to get into the mobile, uh, the autonomous car business? I just scratched my head saying, I don't get it beyond the fact that everybody else in the technology space seems to want to dip their toes into that water. But explain to me why do you think Sony wants to be in that space.
2: Well, because the the, the head units, the same way that Panasonic and the Harmons and Samsung and, and those companies are now in it too, because these are the companies that supply the head units to, to all the automakers. So um, if they don't get in it, that business is going to disappear because those head units are now all components of a fully autonomous vehicle that it's fully integrated i mean we know this is an interesting case where we know exactly where this technology is going there's no question about where it's going right it's all going to be electric no you're not going to have hydrogen cars that's not a thing um they're going to be electric and they're going to be fully autonomous how fast that is is a different matter but that's where it's all going and so the technology to enable all that needs to be integrated. And uh if they want to be in the business, it, you know, unless they don't want to sell head units and just give up the whole category. So therefore they so, need you, to be- so you don't so you
1: don't think Sony really wants to get into the, you don't think Sony will ever build a car. That's really what I'm trying to get to. I don't you I think don't think
2: they- Apple is Apple is not not only is do I not think it, Apple is never going to build a car, for example. That's not something that is in their capabilities. Um they could be a tesla and start from scratch but it's just not a thing um again it's this it's exactly the same reason look if you want your technology to be deployed in these vehicles or part of it you're going to have to play in the game somehow and uh and that's that's the obvious way to 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 play in that game the same way that qualcomm you know is pushing because they realize geez our chips we got to use our chips more places than just a smartphone so right uh, it, that's that's the other reason but um yeah you're right also about sony they've demonstrated the, this technology uh several years in fact they use the same word the sony vision i think and it was like a compact suv this time but um really they're trying to bring together all their audio products and their infotainment systems and sell their movies and their games you know and all of that in the car so that's really what they want to be a part of. Um, I don't think. John, anybody- John,
3: can I ask you? A que- I have a question about this yes. because this is what I was trying to figure out. So, are yeah. we talking about the Sony and the Apple Car efforts? Are we going to see like Apple cars made by GM or Sony Vision made by Ford? I mean, are they going to? Fo- they're not going to go into the car manufacturing business. So, are no. we going to see these electronic companies make deals with with car makers to actually make physically make the vehicles? And will, there, will it be a Sony car made by Toyota or something? Well, I mean, you might see
2: Sony Vision in your vehicle, like you see Bowers and Wilkins and, you know, um, and uh, Macintosh and uh, Meridian in, in vehicles, right? Also, yeah. <laughs> um, as a premium system. But, you know, that model is interesting to talk about too, because look, Waymo, Google's Waymo, which is the most advanced autonomous car system uh, on the market, maybe Cruise, GM's Cruise is pretty close, but the whole point there was to sell this technology package to the OEMs, to the automakers, and then they would build just as you're describing, you know, their van, their minivan and the Jaguar, and they actually, they're kind of halfway into those deals from Waymo, but it's proving to be really difficult to make that integration Um, It's not like Bose going in and saying, well, I sit there with a computer and I configure the interior sound system of the car and then hear your speakers. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a lot more complicated than that and finding it difficult. Plus, there's the whole supply chain has completely thrown all the way U.S. automakers have done their business up in the air. And basically, a lot of them are rethinking it, saying, you know what, we should probably do this ourselves. Right. That seemed like an impossible thing before, but now they're the supply chain problems have shown them not doing it themselves has put them in terrific, you know, uh, terrifically bad position. So Tesla, for example, it's not such a bad position right now because they do their own stuff. So it's yeah, that which model is the one to use? I don't know. I mean, I think all those people are scratching their heads right now, too.
1: Now, now john you brought up an interesting you know invoked a uh, interesting company named qualcomm i was at You're qualcomm's right. conference um at the show last week and um uh christiano amon who is the um uh, the ceo is actually a um he's one of the more um really thoughtful uh technology executives that i've seen in the space really gave a really really good interesting pitch and as you know you know qualcomm has a completely different a fundamentally different approach to the autonomous driving experience and companies like uh nvidia you know nvidia right. believes that you need to have a server for lack of a better phrase uh you need to have the horsepower the smarts in your car to get the be- best non-latency um experience experience to deal with all the the the, the, the uh, randomness that autonomous driving you know is is always going to confront whereas qualcomm's experience because of their heritage in the wireless uh, ASIC uh, business believes that, hey, if you've got really good 5G, you know, and you've got really good um, wireless, you don't really have to burden the car with a lot of this extra infra- um, infrastructure. Where's your head on that? I mean, do you think it's going to be a combination of the two, or do you think one view of the world will triumph over the other in that in that I, space?
2: I mean, there are two different functions. One is you cannot do it with 5G. I mean, that that is that is a technology that doesn't do what they say it does i feel like it's the inconceivable in princess bride right and i heard him say it again too he said it again he said oh this could be you know the last mile connection not in the united states you know in the most of the united states geographically is never going to get 5g it's never going to happen cuz you need so many towers and they're so remote. So in Vermont, you know, the way he sees it, that car would stop at the border of Massachusetts because (laughs) there's there's no cellular connection. Once you go through Springfield, that's the last time you're going to see a cellular connection. And 5G is worse because it makes more towers. So people aren't going to put those towers in either. So obviously you need to have the sort of years ago what would have, would have been a supercomputer but now it's like you know the size smaller than a laptop um right. i think that is the way to go you're going to need something on board that can handle all those situations for extra safety yes having the connectivity that he didn't use the phrase which i because I, I tuned into his presentation too but he never used uh cellular v to X or any of those phrases that we've been using for years which is basically yes, y- yes he did did he? Because I didn't.
3: Oh hear yeah, him very yes much. he did. He he talked. I I wrote <laughs> wrote the uh, show daily story on it, having tuned into it. Yeah, he 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 didn't mention them broadly, but he certainly addressed the issues when he was talking about the Snapdragon chassis concept. Right, but he didn't use that acronym though. Say again. I don't acronym. think he used. Yeah. I don't
1: think he. I, I only call him using an acronym. Maybe I'm yeah, wrong. I did. I had the
3: whole. I had the transcript. I can I can point it out to you where he actually used them. Okay, yeah, but again, it wasn't be... a major point. The fact that you missed it indicates that he wasn't pushing it, but he definitely right. didn't mention it.
2: But it's still a critical part of the, you know, the uh Vita X's um in this city, smart city. So I do think that is gonna be a thing. Yes, I think we'll need to do that when you're if you not need to, if at all possible, it would certainly be helpful. Totally make cars safer and, and protect vulnerable, what we call vulnerable road users. That is pedestrians and cyclists who are not going to be part of that infrastructure but somehow need to be um, surveilled by the rest of the thing so yeah I, but uh i think the 5g pitch is just not working i mean people looking at those phones going i don't know it's fast enough right now i you know I watched the you i watched my TikTok video so i don't get it um that's a, but- a massive
1: comment to you john i know that you, can, you can't you really pick pack videos uh, latency free, which is not completely true. But um, Stuart, let me ask you a question. Are there any things that since you pr- probably uh, you know uh, watched most of the uh, most of CES online, was there anything that jumped at you from a trend standpoint that you thought was kind of interesting?
3: Well, even though John is absolutely correct about 5G, wireless connectivity, I think is going to be huge. But the thing that I, I thought found the most interesting was space tech. I found much. I found that very intriguing. I, I I did some reporting on Sierra Nevada, which is a company that displayed. I don't. You must have seen it in the Central Plaza. They had a ship called the Dream Chaser. I didn't see that. Whole no idea behind. Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic, maybe not as much Virgin Galactic, but certainly Blue Origin and certainly SpaceX is the commercialization of space and materials research and zero G and things of that nature. So all of these billionaires going up in space, ignore all of that. That's what these companies are saying. And Sierra Nevada is certainly one of those companies that are building commercial industrial space vehicles to conduct R and D, and manufacturing in space, which is very pedestrian and pedantic, whatever you want to call it, but building and putting things, you know, habitats in space to Build stuff to research stuff in a way that you can't do it on Earth. So I think the whole commercialization of space, which is starting off with these big name explorers, I mean, it's the same thing that happened with Columbus and and all those guys. You had the the big name explorers finding it, and then what you had then follow that is sort of boring economic exploitation, which is what the Mayflower was and all of the other you know early colonies. Uh, except there are no indigenous people in space to to commit genocide against. But essentially. What I thought there? what was interesting is the eventual <laughs> commercialization of space that's starting off with the star-studded kind of thing, but will eventually settle into factories and R&D labs in space. What, what was the stock symbol for that company again, Stuart? <laughs> I do not know what the stock symbol is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't even well, know hey, what public well, company
1: Well, hey, listen, the top guys, the topic I really want to get to, because we only have a few minutes left here is the whole tv buying experience before the super bowl that's become like a ritual you know people right. you know tend to run out to their retail stores this was before the pandemic and get that you know it used to be like a 30 or 40 inch tv set in the day now it's of course you know 60 70 80 90 inch tvs right. um and by the way you know the the uh, the smart tv larger format tvs AK tvs They were certainly in in force at uh, at CES. TCL had a very impressive booth with their new um, uh, mini uh, uh, QLED uh, technology. They showed a 90-inch display that was phenomenal type of thing. Um, I actually did see some interesting uh, companies out there. There was a company called Skyworth, uh, which is a a Chinese company that was showing – I actually put the video out on on LinkedIn and YouTube – They have a a, a 50 or – it's either 50 or 55-inch – I actually saw it in their suite where it's a curved-on-demand type of display. I mean, literally, it looks like a flat panel, but it has a a mechanical um, uh, device that allows you to curve the screen for different types of entertainment functions, whether it be gaming or movies or things like that. haven't seen that around. That was kind of an interesting – I think they'll actually get a lot of play with that um, capability. But uh, let me start off with you, John. When you do get those calls – when you, you get those emails from friends, readers of your, right. of your column about, Hey, I want to buy a, a TV. What, what are the things that, what's the kind of advice that you give them right up front?
2: So, uh, yeah, I think I have like, I have six or seven TVs right now that are, so
3: awesome. ask.
2: and uh, and do it for Tom's guide and T3 and uh, some others. But um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously it's the, the size of the sets have increased. And now, you know, a 65 inch is sort of the sweet spot that, unless you're in a Manhattan, uh, you know, a small place, but in most, most houses, that is the kind of sweet spot and yes, it's a 4k TV and yes, you know, the, the sort of regular features that it should have. Um, You know, one of the things I look for is actually, Horizontal viewing angle. So if they can go into a store somewhere to look at that, to see what that looks like, that is walking back and forth in front of it. Because if you if you're lucky enough to have other people in your home at the moment, um, then, you know, sitting off angle makes a substantial difference in some of these sets. Uh, prices have gone up. I mean, that's the biggest thing we've noticed that we prices have gone up in the last year. First time in thirty some odd years, and so they're not going to get the deals that they thought they would get. um However, Stewart's also has mentioned this before. We're talking he, he you know, before the Super Bowls, because uh, come the early, very early spring, all the new sets come out. So they are trying to clear out all the sets. Military yeah but before and they all know and we all know that new one's coming out in fact i have to write a few reviews before that happens but um one thing just so i can start off the disagreement with Stuart is i actually like the 8k sets so i have a tcl 8k set right now um and i i thought when i started testing it who needs that blah 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 But actually, I really like it. And I was watching uh, Apocalypse Now, Redux on it. And I thought, you know, and that's a movie that was filmed way before any of these resolutions were available. Um, I really like it. I thought it was very good. I thought it's off-axis viewing. The detail is really good. You can sit closer to it. And it upscaled very, very well. So I actually thought.
3: Which which set? You, you so, yeah. John, so, which set? I'll
2: hand it off to Stuart.
3: <laughs> well, which, which 8K set, John? it's the current tcl Oh, uh, the tcl ak i know what you're,
2: what you're yeah. talking what about size? Um, but it it's weighs right. a ton I, I have to tell you it, it's like oh, it's one the of mini led movies. set it's yeah it's got extra glass in it and i i almost killed myself getting up the set of stairs but just... <laughs> so
1: so why rob, rob just snuck into the podcast i don't know who let him in hey but... rob
0: hey i brought my hey. co-pilot here don't don't talk too loud he's asleep
1: all right we'll
0: keep
1: we'll keep the Be quiet. quiet hey let me ask uh, rob let me ask you a question uh can you overbuy when someone is you know the, the prices have come down so dramatically is there a danger especially if people live in apartments and they don't live in enormous houses with you know with large family rooms can you overbuy and have and the experience being a less experience because that tv is just too large for a room is that is that something that uh, someone should consider
0: yeah, I mean, it's just a TV. I'm going to get drummed out of the polite consumer electronics society for saying that. It is just a screen on which you watch stuff. So, it has to sort of fit with everything else in the house. It it you know, if you have to step around it, that's no good. Uh if you want to spending more, I mean, I want to know what that 8K set JQ likes. What's the price premium on that compared to a 4K set? Would you pay that premium with your own money? Uh, I remain unsold on AK because there's still nothing to watch, and nobody had a good answer for that at CES. I think, on the other hand, for most people, 65 inch, 65 inch screen is enormous. That's going to fill the room. It'll look so much better than what you had before. And the backdrop to all this is this is a product that wants to me wants to be more or less a commodity, and so the industry keeps trying something new, throws up something new against the wall to make it less of one. First it was, it was 3D TV, then it was 4K TV, now it's 8K TV. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I think most people, if they purchased a TV anytime recently, the picture quality is already pretty great and the marginal utility is not that much. You know, you you can give yourself a lot of time between upgrades in this area of the market.
1: So, so Stuart, a question for you. Um... Roku versus Google Assistant versus Amazon, Amazon's uh, smart TV interface. Uh, Would you ever buy a TV without one of those solutions, or do you prefer one over the other?
3: I don't – the only – my experience is primarily with Roku, which I adore. Um, I and you know, and when I've suggested TVs to people, I suggest to people that they get the Roku because I just think the interface is so good, um, the the voice search is really good, and it, it's just really easy to use um but there are so many schemes I mean LG uses webOS which they seem to have perfected the the Amazon interface just skews so heavily to Amazon content that it's it's hard right. to compare it with with the right. other ones i I don't I'll admit to having no experience with Google TV but they've all worked really really hard at achieving the same things which includes getting all the major streaming channels um, available putting them on the remote control for one button access voice control control to both search for content as well as control the TV, as well as to use it as a smart speaker kind of thing to ask it informational things like what's the weather or what's the Sierra Nevada stock symbol. Um, So the best thing about this is that there are so many of them that it's a really good competition. And as we all know in technology, competition not only breeds innovation, but breeds, I don't know excellence is the right word. They're all trying to top each other. So no matter which one you get, they're software upgradable, so they can to a certain extent keep up with the Joneses, but they will continue to get better because they're being pushed to get better so all of them i think i wouldn't say don't get one without it because even the simplest um uh, like the vizio smart cast is not a big name um but they all try to do the same thing and provide the same degree of functionality it's just a matter of to a certain extent personal preference i don't know that i would base my tv buying based upon what the smart um tv system is ak tv that john recommended from from tcl i'm not sure that that's a roku and or not i think it is but roku also does android Android tv TV so so i think it's a secondary consideration understanding that what you're looking for is the best tv and that whatever the smart operating system that's going to be on it is going to provide this the what you really you know the basis of what you're looking for yeah Yeah, i I want
1: to i want to John, this question is for you because I want to go back to something that Rob said that, that, right. that you know, we work in an industry where we all get samples of TVs, many of which never go back because the manufacturers don't want these samples back because once you have it, it's more of a hassle to send back. And the average consumer, when they're spending $1,500, $2,000 for a TV, you're not going to replace that you know and you know we we're, we're and i i wonder sometimes are we in a in, a, in such an advantage position of seeing all this new technology we all get excited about it maybe not to the not to the low level of enthusiasm that rob has for ak because he he just doesn't seem to think that it's getting any and there is by the way a lot of evidence that supports that he's right about that but do we do you really think that consumers you know react to the changing technology in the smart tv space That it's it's it it could be a burden, you know, making that decision to go out and spend two grand on a TV because, you know, hey, my family back in the day, you know, when we had a TV in the living room, until that TV shorted out, it wasn't getting replaced.
3: Following my,
2: totally. I mean, yes, and and that's certainly true that you you know it's not uh, something that you toss out. I mean. Before the pandemic, people were actually starting to toss out those 65 inch sets because it was so inexpensive. You know, you could buy a new one for six hundred and fifty dollars. Well, you'd have to work to
0: spend fifteen hundred bucks on a TV. You know, these days. So it,
2: yeah, it, that's it's, true. That's true. But now, but now the prices have changed. Um, it depends what you want. I mean, the basics sort of are OLED is still the best technology, no question about it. Best picture. The other thing is the two leading um, smart TVs are actually Android TV and Roku. The web OS is what LG does. It's pretty good, but it doesn't have. It's not complete. Um, And the Amazon one is just way too flaky and messy and and Amazon oriented. Um, So those are your sort of your three things. So if you want the best technology, you want an OLED set, and if you want um, you know, so the news from CES is that Samsung has its OLED sets and panels. So now you're going to see some real competition on that price points, and you know the quality is just going to get that much better. But um, look, the only thing that we all knew sucked from the beginning was 3D because it looked terrible, <laughs> right? It looks terrible. The industry was all
0: into it. 8 right. 8K,
2: 8K, 8K looks really good. I mean, 8K looks really freaking good. So if you're into movies and you're watching Boba Fett, you know, which I just did last night because they make us watch it every week and they won't let us watch it all at once. But anyway, those images are so sharp and so crystal clear that on these sets, if that if you like that, get, you know, what you can afford, because to your point, you're going to be stuck with it for a long time. So that's sort of my you know you you like buying a computer you pay a little bit more than you actually wanted to pay so that you're not trying to replace it two years from
1: now. Uh, yes real quick question before we end the podcast uh Stuart buying it online versus buying it in a real retail store what would, would you what would in like 30 seconds do you recommend oh. people do that or do you think they
3: should go back to a traditional brick and mortar store well, I think it depends upon what you're buying. If I'm buying an appliance, I would much rather buy that from a local retailer because I would want the service on it. But if I'm buying a TV, what goes wrong with TVs? You know, I mean, and it's huge. How are you getting into your house? I mean, appliance, I, I don't know that I would buy an appliance online unless it was from a local retailer. You know, if I was buying an appliance from, you know, um, PC Richards here in New York or or um, um, best, even Best Buy. I mean, as long as I know that I had a retailer to go back to with issues and they could provide a solution. But for most smaller items, the items that don't really require servicing after you buy them, I mean, the whole thing, I mean, there's two ways of doing it. You can buy online um, and pick up at the store if you want that local experience, or you could shop in the store and then buy it online just so you don't either have to schlep it or to um, just to get the best price. So I
0: think it really depends upon the item that you're buying. Rob, same question for you. Yeah, for a TV, I don't think there's a whole lot to be gained from looking at it in the store because the lighting, uh, the whole context is not how you're gonna see it in your living room. I mean, I, I would say the same thing, CES can sort of help in letting me know what the state of TV technology is, but it's more in terms of looking at things like the industrial design, the picture quality, Really hard to say, it's a strange setup. Uh, my favorite CS display is we have last year's TV and this year's TV where the TV manufacturer says, I'm sorry, what you sold me last year actually sucks. Here's this year's model instead. No one has two TVs side by side. You bring it home, plug in, it looks awesome. You watch it for the next five, six or 10 years. Um, so there's a lot to be said for buying it online from a the site of a retail chain that has actual physical outlets so just in case you do have that fallback but then it's also you know check the pricing who's got one better offer rebate or another it's not you know this is always good this is always bad john take it home. your answer
2: um, one thing i would tell you is yeah i mean just it's not just because i write the reviews and test them but you should read the reviews because to rob yeah. point, it is it is difficult to tell in a store even when you go into a store because they have them on the demo mode which has this very bright picture yep. and you can't really tell and you see lots of pixelation and shadows and doesn't look good so it is difficult to tell in the store and so definitely do your research that's why a lot of my friends like email me to what your point to ask me um and the other thing i would say is also the return like the problems i have had with televisions have all been i take them out of the box you know they look okay i plug them in and the whole screen is shattered that's yeah. what i've been finding because as the panels got bigger the actual shipping boxes they use have been are very expensive for like a 65 inch set so um i've seen a fair number of damaged sets no fault of the manufacturer but you, you should know well what do, how do i get that back you know right. and uh what is their policy because it's it's a pain in the neck to take a 65 inch set out of the box no, I, you know you have you, to you, repack it i absolutely which
1: agree I do it. All the time. you know most consumer electronics and you know Stuart, it's it's kind of like what you just said is that whether it's a PC or a laptop or, or 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 a TV, if it's broken, if it doesn't work, you're going to know it the moment you get it out of the you, the moment right. you get it out of the box. And most retail, and to your point, John, is that you know the, the the most excruciating experience of all time is when you take a um, a a very nice flat panel TV out of a large box and you decide for whatever reason to return it. Let's just say you just want to return it because the retailers have very uh, generous return policies. That is an adventure putting it back in the box. You know, right, right. and yeah. most people they throw the box out, they throw the material out, and and it's been my experience that most of the retailers, the Best Buys in the world, they have very very accommodating online return practices that they'll send something up to your house. They'll even sometimes bring a box with them uh, if you somehow threw the box out for whatever reason. But uh, anyway, it's going to be a big week uh, for. Uh, uh, next couple of weeks is going to be a big week for uh, Smart TV sales, and uh, appreciate you uh, joining t- me for today's podcast. So, guys, thanks again for joining me for today's go podcast.
2: Cowboys.
1: Go Cowboys. Yeah, go Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say go Giants. Uh, yeah, they'll be watching. on. They'll be uh, All the Giants will be watching on big flat panel TV sets. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, for our viewing Very and cool. listening audience, <laughs> for our viewing and listening audience. Please make sure that you hit the like and subscribe buttons at the end of today's podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mark Tech Guy. And until next time, have a great weekend. A week. No, it's a weekend. Have a great weekend. And hopefully Rob Pagarrero will be uh, the new GM of the Giants in, in about three or four <laughs> You don't want me in that job. Thanks, guys. Take it easy.
2: Thanks. Bye. Take care.